All right, so here we go. Let's pick right back up. James chapter four. Um, let's see, James chapter four, verse uh, 11. That's, that's where we're starting. And um, I'm reading from the uh, New King James Version uh, tonight. All right, here we go. So it says, um, it says, uh, verse 11, uh, 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 do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil against uh, of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. All right, I'm gonna read that again because we got to stop right there. He says, "Do not speak evil, okay, of one another." All right. He says, "Brother." Now remember, we talked about James. He does practical, not doctrine. Okay. So he says, "Do not speak evil of one another, brethren." He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Verse 12, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? And so let's take this whole thing down about judging and, and law and stuff like that. So, so, so when he talks about whether you speak evil against a brother and judge a brother, right? Uh, he said that what law are we in violation of when we speak evil against someone uh, or judge someone. Let's, let's, now, again, remember, we talk about James does a lot based on the teachings of Jesus, right? Like everything's based on what Jesus is saying. He's kind of just repurposing and re-saying what Jesus has already said. Let's go to Matthew uh, uh, to, 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 to point out where he is with this. So Matthew 22, Matthew 22, uh, verse 34 and 40. Because remember, we're talking about which, what law are we in violation of when we speak evil against someone uh, and when we uh, judge another person, right? 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. So here they are trying to trap Jesus. Then one of them, a lawyer, uh, asked him a question, testing him. Again, remember, testing him, uh, saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Watch this. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Of these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What, Jesus, what, what, what James is saying here is that you are in violation of this love law, of this law of love, of this law of grace, of this law of mercy, of this new commandment. You are in violation of what Jesus told us are the top two commandments, are the only two commandments. He said on, on these two commandments rest all the laws and all the prophets. And what James is saying is when you speak evil against someone else and when you judge someone else, you are in violation of this law. Okay, now watch this, Matthew 7, uh, 12. I just want to point out some stuff that Jesus had talked about, and here's where James is getting all this stuff from. Um, this, is, this, this, this makes this thing so simple. As, you know, one of the songs I listen to now is this guy, Danny Gokey, and he's got this song called Love God and Love People. He says um, uh, it, it, it's, all, it's all simple. He says you got to make it real simple, get down to ground zero. It all comes down to this, love God and love people. And that's basically what Jesus said right there in Matthew 22, 34, and 40. Now, Matthew 7, uh, verse 12 uh, here's Jesus. Therefore, uh, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Okay. So this is what, listen, I don't know anybody who says, man, I wish somebody would speak evil of me and judge me. That's really what I want to happen to me on this Tuesday. None of us say that. And so what, so what Paul is, what, what James is saying is that you are in violation of this law, of this law of love, that to, to, to love one another, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, so to love your neighbor as you love yourself uh, in Matthew seven, where Jesus says, you know, basically the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He said, that's right, Sierra, the golden rule. He says, uh, he, he says, for this is the law and the prophets that if you would just do to people what you would want people to do to you. And I don't think any of us sign up for people to speak evil against us or what to judge uh, uh, us. Now, again, I want to 
look at the words of Jesus. Since we're in Matthew uh, 7, let's go down to 1 and 5. Again, tie in all of James' teachings to what, he, to what Jesus uh, taught. And by the way, even when we go back to, um, uh, when we're looking at what James uh, taught and, and, and tying it into what Jesus taught, we also see that most of his stuff, again, not necessarily doctrine, but his lifestyle stuff. This is why he spoke so from such authority regarding the way we live and the practicality of, of, of our faith uh, because he's teaching exactly what Jesus taught. When, when people try to tell you how to live, but they're basing it on their own opinion and not necessarily how Jesus said you ought to live, and that gets into the, a lot of minutiae as far as, well, here's what you should wear. Here's what you shouldn't wear. Here's what you, like, Jesus didn't talk about any of that stuff. And so James speaks with authority on the practicality of how to live this word out because he's basically just telling you the same thing Jesus said when it comes to lifestyle, okay? And so we got to be careful because people will put their own, their own opinion. They'll put their own thought. They'll put their own experience. They may put what God had told them to do and how to live on you and try to make it doctrine or, or some, some, sort of, some sort of foundational principle of the faith when it's not. It may be what you think people should do, but it's not. And so this is how James could speak with his authority on how we're supposed to live. So Matthew 7, let's go down to uh, 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 verse 1 through 5, because Jesus is, is not only just teaching do unto others as you would have them do unto you, uh, or not to speak evil on one another. Jesus talked about not judging each other. Now watch this. Uh, uh, Matthew 7, verse 1. We're going to read from 1 through 5. Jesus, he, he, this is Jesus. Judge not that you uh, be not judged. For with, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. With the uh, measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Man, let me tell you something. Some of us, we need, I, I need to be glad that God doesn't, that, that we've got time to get it right and got mercy and grace that, that, that we aren't judged. God doesn't judge us the way we start to judge other people. That, you know what I mean? That if we really got back the judgment that we judge other people with, and we're going to talk about judging and, and, and stuff in a second. Uh, man, that's, that, that wouldn't be a good thing if we, if we were judged by God the way that we judge some other people. Now watch this. He says, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Meaning how are you, listen, how are you even to judge Crystal, you know, and, 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 what, and what you're judging her on is a, little, is, is a little speck, when if you were to look at yourself, you would see, all the, you will see that big plank in your eye. Meaning you, listen, get it. Try, you trying to live right is enough for you. You don't have to worry about trying to make Crystal live right or trying to make Sierra live right. You know, you can encourage them. You can talk about things that are good and things that are bad. But I cannot sit here and judge Crystal uh, because I got to look at myself and I've got to make sure that I get my stuff right. Um, uh, uh, now, here we go. Verse four. Or how can you say to your brother, uh, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at a plank that is in your own? Verse five. Hypocrite. First, okay, here's this priority. I see you, Charmaine. Here's the priority. He says, hypocrite, meaning, meaning you ain't living what you're speaking. Watch this, hypocrite. He says, first remove the plank from your own eye. Watch this. He says, and then you will see clearly. Now watch this. He says, the priority is make sure that you take care of what's going on in your life first, right? Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Here's what's so fabulous about that is that as, as long as I'm alive, there's always going to be a plank to remove from my eye. Okay. Watch this. As long as I'm alive, I'm never going to be perfect. There will always be a plank for me to remove from my eye. And Jesus says, first, remove the one from your eye. And so the moment I'm done removing plank from my eyes, then I can focus on Charmaine. But the truth of the matter is I will never be done removing plank from my, from my eyes. So my first order of business is to move, remove the plank from my eye. He says, so then you will see clearly. And what's interesting is the more planks I relieve from, uh, I, I, I take out of my eye and I start to see more clearly, I understand that, that, that number one, I have more planks that I got to take out. But then number two, I don't judge someone else based on what I see them going through because I know that I'm going through something too. 
I don't judge anyone anymore because, I, because they're not perfect because I've spent all my time taking the planks out of my eye. And so I realized that I'm not perfect. I realized we're all in this together. And then we see what happens when it comes, uh, like what we talked about in Galatians, where uh, he said, if you see anyone overtaken in the fall, you who are spiritual. See, spiritual people understand this principle that I need to take out the plank out of my own eye. So then when I see something with crystal, I come to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness and humbleness because it could be me. And I don't do this whole restoration thing uh, in a way that is is brash and that hurts her, and, and then I'm judging. No, no, no. I'm I'm restoration minded. When I see when I because I know that I get the plank out of my own uh, my own eye first, and I'm always doing this. When I see a speck in Crystal's eye, I don't come judging. My first thing is restoration because what? Because I'm spiritual. Spiritual people get this concept that we remove the plank from our own eyes first, and that as long as I'm alive, I'm going to be removing planks, and I do it for myself first, right? Now here we go. Um, now when we talk about um, uh, uh, judging. Now, here's the thing. It, we're not talking about that we can't tell the difference between right and wrong action or something that someone is doing is right or someone, something that, that they're doing is wrong or that someone is operating in a way that's ungodly versus operating in a way that's godly. Uh, we can't, you know, like we can't t- t- say something is good fruit versus bad fruit. That's not what we're talking about when it comes to judging. It's in reference to someone's soul. It's condemning someone. It is saying that this person is in, irredeemable, that this person is done. This person will never be redeemed. God has nothing to do with them. God doesn't want them. They're banished forever because it is, that's not our job. There is one lawgiver, uh, as, as James says, and says he is the one who judges. We don't judge and condemn anyone. So we don't save anybody. We don't condemn anybody. Even the Bible says that the son of man said Jesus came uh, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And if the Bible says that Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world, somebody explain to me why so many Christians spend so much time trying to condemn the world, trying to condemn people. We're supposed to spend our time trying to save people, not trying to condemn people. Jesus came here and didn't spend his time trying to condemn. Jesus came here and, and spent his time trying to save. And that's what we need to do. Amen. All right, let's get back to James. Now, we see how James can teach with such authority on these things because he's literally just echoing the, the words of Jesus. And that's where the authority from the church come from. Remember when we talked about uh, speech therapy and how when we speak, we speak from our faith um, and we speak from the word of God and we speak from um, our authority. Our authority comes from, from the word of God. And so when we're speaking these things and we're teaching what Jesus taught uh, and we're staying in line with that, not going off on our own, we can teach with that same authority. All right, where were we? Um, verse, <clears throat> get some water. verse 13. All right, verse 13. I put a note right here. My Bible says, slow down. All right, here we go. Verse 13. Um, uh, let's read. Uh, uh, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life. It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord's will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him to know to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Let's take a break right there. So right now he's teaching against like like boastful arrogance of of relying on your own will and your own uh, plan and your own uh, declaration, kind of declaring my plan and here's what I'm going to do. This is going to happen tomorrow. This is going to happen next week. Um, uh, but in an arrogant, boastful way that does not leave room for being led by the Holy Spirit or for what God is having you to do. I can't be arrogant enough to predict that here's what I'm going to do um, um, in August and here's the way it's going. He said, no, the way you do that is um, if it's God's will for me to do that, then absolutely that's what I will do. Uh, Who knows uh, what God will have us do? 
Uh, and that should be our guiding light. That should be our guiding principle to know that my plans follow God's plans, right, in directions. I don't even commit to be somewhere unless it's the Lord's will for me. You, 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 you get what I'm saying? All right, here we go. And now uh, verse 17. Now, here's the thing about this verse. Uh, 17 says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, uh, to him it is sin. That word therefore means that he's tying this principle into what he just taught um, regarding um, our own arrogance and boastfulness. And so it's like, so now to try to, 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 to know you've got to follow God's will and you can't live in that arrogant boastfulness, to know to do that and not to do it is a sin. But even in the larger concept um, where you look at it, it's like, yes, for someone to know what good is, I mean, all these principles that we're learning as far as uh, loving one another, not judging one another, uh, when it comes to giving to the poor, all these things that we're learning, and that's the good that we know to do, uh, you should take to heart when James says, uh, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. And so it is a sin for us to know what the right thing is to do. It is a sin for us to know the right way to live. It is a sin for us to know the correct responses. It is a sin for us to learn all these principles and then not live by it. Okay. I mean, remember, don't forget uh, uh, where, where he talked earlier about um, to be a, a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Remember? So he's, again, teaching big and we tied it back to Jesus' words. Why call me Lord, Lord, and I do what I say, right? And so we see the importance of, of once you get that knowledge, once you understand what it is you're to do, how we are supposed to then, our lives are supposed to line up to it. And then to know to do this good and not to do it to him, uh, it says it is sin. Now let's go to chapter five. We're going to do a lot of reading for chapter five. And, the, and, and again, the cool thing about James is that this is a Bible teacher's, this would be one, if you're a Bible teacher, this is one of your favorite books. And, and, and like, and if, you're, and if you're reading the book, uh, it's one of, it should be one of your favorite books to read, um, especially for someone who may try to find someone, something to read because it's so self-explanatory. You know what I mean? I mean, because it's so practical and down to earth, it's easy to understand. And he gives you all these nuggets. Okay, here we go. So we're going to read right through. Uh, he says, verse five, uh, chapter five, verse one. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your uh, miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. Now watch this because you could read those first three verses and think that he's talking bad about people who have money. Um, now he's talking about the rich, but these next few verses are really important. Watch this. He said, indeed, the wages of labor... Uh, the, the wages of the laborers, now watch this, indeed the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. Meaning that, 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 that the stuff that you were supposed to give the people who work for you, but you cheated them out of, that money's crying out. He says, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Now that is a word that just means um, the host of heavens or like Lord of heavens, the, the, the Lord of the host of heavens. Uh, is what that word is. Uh, and so what he's, he says, you have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have flattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have, con- uh, you have condemned, uh, you have condemned, uh, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Now, what he's saying here is, woe unto those who are rich at the expense of others, okay? Those who, those who have gotten rich on the backs of people and have cheated people, um, uh, and you can look at it any kind of way you want to people who have enslaved people, people who have uh, 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 cheated people out of business deals and things like this. What he is saying is, because again, the first three verses, he talks about the fact that your money and stuff is going to fade away, but you will be judged for what you did, right? But he, he, he specifies this. So I don't want anyone thinking that, oh, well, 
you know, I've got some money and I'm living comfortable. I must be, I'm, I must be going to get judged. So that's not what he's saying. Cause you, you again, you got to have the context. This is why I'm glad we read, read it verse by verse. The first three, he talks about that, but verse four, he says, indeed the wages of your laborers who mold your fields, which you kept back by fraud cry out. Uh, and so again, he's talking about people who have gotten rich on the back of other people and people who have taken advantage of other people, uh, people who have not been fair with other folks and their kind of dealings. He's saying that you're going to reap because the Lord hears that. Um, uh, verse seven, uh, therefore be patient brothers, uh, brethren until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmers wait for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also, uh, you also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And that's one thing that the church and as you and I were talking about this about a month ago, something that we need to make sure that we talk more about. I know about a year and a half ago when we were in green in that room in Greenbelt impact, we talked about this and it's something we have to make sure that we always talk about and that we keep in the forefront on our, of our minds is that yes, Jesus is coming back. We cannot get so attached to this world and the things of this world and the lifestyle that we love it so much that we're like, oh, I hope God, I hope Jesus don't come back today. No, you are out of, listen, you are out of pocket and you are out of focus. If, if your prayer is, please don't come back today, Lord, I'm enjoying this world too much. You need to think about what we talked about last week. We talked about being friends with the world and enjoy the things of this world more than we do the things of the, of the spirit, right? Because yeah, we do have an enjoyment and pleasures in life, right? But we have to remember that this stuff is here. It is temporary. It is not our home, that Jesus is coming back. He says, be patient and establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And yes, they've been talking about it for years and years and years, ever since Jesus left this, well, not ever since he ascended. So, I mean, he died on the cross, he left and then came back and then left. So every time he came back, since he left the second time, ever since the ascension, believers been saying he's coming back. I mean, the first church was talking about he's coming back. Be ready, be ready, he's coming back. So yes, they've been talking about it for a long time and we need to continue talking about it and we need to continue being ready. We need to make sure that we establish our hearts and understand that the Lord is coming back. Now, here he goes, verse nine again, talking about how we treat one another. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Now, remember, I mean, if you read through some of these prophets, whether it's Jeremiah, whether it's Isaiah, um, whether it's uh, Hosea, you read through these prophets, major prophets and minor prophets, there was a lot, they heard from the Lord a lot, they spoke to Israel a lot, but there was a lot of suffering. Don't forget how long it took for the Messiah to come and how long that was prophesied. Amen. And so we need to make sure that we have that same uh, 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 patience. And he says, use the, the prophets as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And so you say, he says that you saw all that Job went through. You saw uh, Job's patience and how he persevered. And you saw the end intended by the Lord, that you saw everything he went through, but you saw that God had an end for him that was better than what he had before, right? He says, and then the Lord is very compassionate. And so we saw how the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And so we say, use it as an example for yourself that God does have an end uh, for you and that he is very compassionate and merciful. And that compassion and that mercy will be given to you as well. Uh, verse 12, above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. Watch this, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, 
lest you fall into judgment. Meaning, please just be a person of your word. You don't have to say, oh my gosh, I promise you, listen, I swear by, I swear by my grandfather's grave, or I swear by such and such that this is, like, like you sh- your character and, and your reliability and who you are should be such that when you say yes, my yes is good enough. Or when I say no, the no is good enough. You know that what is said uh, is meant. Verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalm. If any, anyone among you sick, watch this, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. That shows this responsibility that we have for one another. If anyone is sick, call on the elders of the church. Call on the people in the church to come and to pray with and to pray for you. Amen. He says, um, he says and, they will, uh, uh, and they will pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Here we go. Verse 15. He says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. We got to believe this. Remember, we started talking about speech therapy, that we only speak what's in the word, uh, that, that we speak from our authority, and we speak from faith. And this is in the word that says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will what? Be forgiven. He goes on in verse 16. Confess your trespasses. Uh, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We talked a lot about this uh, verse too. You got to go back to some of our teachings when we talked about this verse. Uh, verse 17, he says, Elijah, he's using Elijah as an example. Now understand this too. See how the, the wisdom in the book of James, where we just talked about how he said, use the suffering of the prophets as an example, right? Uh, uh, and then he talked about Job. Use Job as an example. And now he's bringing in Elijah. Use Elijah as an example, that when we read this stuff, that we can use the way that God worked in the lives of these people as an example of how he's going to work in our life. There's a lot of wisdom in that, that James literally is saying, read back in the old scrolls to the people that he's talking to now and, 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 and see the patience of the prophets uh, and see how God worked through Job and see now he's using an example of prayer with Elijah. He says, Elijah, here's what Here's what's so key. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, saying Elijah was not Jesus, okay? (laughs) Elijah was not here as a man and human and also divine. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And when we did the the, the, the teaching, um, uh, 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 What's in Your Cave, we talked about that with Elijah, about how we saw how he was afraid one time and then bold and then kind of even brash with with, with how bold he was. And then he was in fear again, that he is a man man with a nature just like ours. And it's so funny because um, I remember we had a a, a prayer night and Val said that one day we've got to look at this whole scripture and see why he wanted to compare uh, uh, Elijah. And one of the biggest comparisons and one of the biggest examples why he probably wanted to use him was to show him that God did extraordinary things through an ordinary man praying, that he is a man just like us, flawed, just like us, struggling just like us. That a lot, you, Listen, don't look at Elijah like he's Jesus. As a matter of fact, maybe we'll do a, a deeper study and, and talk about how some because remember when, 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 when Jesus asked them, who do men say I am? Remember, some say that thou art Elijah. Remember? And so, and, so, and so there were those who were thinking that they were similar. He's like, no, Elijah is not Jesus. He said, he's a man with a nature like ours. Okay, now here we go. Uh, he says, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. And so he's saying, use him as an example of that effective, 
fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much. Uh, 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 and that if Elijah was considered righteous, and he was a man with a nature just like ours, you can cons- be considered righteous uh, as well. Next two verses, uh, and then that's the, end of ch- uh, that's the end of the book of James, actually. Um, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back. Now, remember, we t- <laughs> not if someone, uh, one of you wanders from the truth and someone talks about him behind his back. He said, if one of you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back. Okay, remember, we t- we, in Galatians, we talked about, uh, uh, we, we, and we just talked about that same verse in Galatians earlier today, that if someone is taken within the fall, you who are spiritual, restore such a one, right? He's talking about that here. He says, brethren, if any among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. It's funny how we talked about that law of love. Isn't it interesting how we talked about that law of love when it came to um, not speaking evil against one another or judging one another, right? Remember the scripture that says love covers a multitude of sin, right? So watch this. We talk about the law of love and how if we talk evil against one another and judge one another, that we're violating that law. But he says, if you turn a sinner uh, around from the error of his ways, uh, you will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. And we also heard in the scriptures that what? Love covers what? A multitude of sin. It's about living by that law of love uh, that we pointed to earlier uh, in uh, chapter four or towards the middle part um, of chapter four. So that does it for James. Like I said, James, one of my favorite books, it's like the book of Proverbs. It has all this wisdom in it. Um, Short book. To me, it's the easy, if someone's looking to, uh, if you know somebody who's like, hey, I want to read the Bible more, where should I start? Tell them to start with the book of James and read it over and over again and try to live what it says. It is so practical. um, And uh, they can also come to go to the Impact Buzzsprout page and and look to to download the stuff and and try to help them read the Bible, but read it uh, verse by verse, uh, trying to get some understanding from that. what I'll do is I'll pray. We'll either do um, Ephesians. Like I said, we either do Ephesians next, John next, or first and second Peter next. I'm just not sure which way we, we want to go um, uh, with it. First and second Peter, by the way, much like the book of James, very practical um, in, in his teaching. Not a lot of doctrine there, uh, a lot of practicality. Um, so I'll pray. And if anybody got any questions or something they want to wrap up um, the book of James with uh, or any, anything that you learned or took from, from the study, feel free to do so. 